You're listening to In the Vault, a KPMG banking industry podcast series. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Liz Lamadou, a principal in KPMG's banking and capital markets tax practice. And joining me today are two colleagues from KPMG's compensation and benefits tax practice. I have Ethan Korup, senior manager, and Ryan McDonald, principal, both who focus on health and welfare benefits. Ryan and Ethan, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Sure, Liz. Thanks for having us. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Today, we're going to chat about some common challenges in the banking industry related to employee benefits. And just to frame the issue, how about I start with a couple observations and then a question to you guys. So we continue to see resource challenges within banking. This includes difficulty recruiting, retaining, developing talent, particularly diverse talent. And then there's difficulty engaging with the teams and workforces. Sometimes they're global, oftentimes remote. So definitely a lot of difficulties around talent right now. At the same time, employees seem to be demanding a lot more from employers, right? Organizations have to be more competitive, it feels like, than ever before. And... There's always pressure to reduce costs across the organization, right? We we can't seem to escape cost-cutting mode. And these talent challenges, I don't think, can be fixed solely by increasing comp and benefits because the budgets aren't going to keep increasing. So what's a bank to do? So Ryan and Ethan, I'm hoping you can help answer some of these questions. Why don't we start? Can you guys just elaborate on benefits-related trends and issues that you're seeing in the banking industry? Sure, Liz, you hit on several of the key points. We know that the difficulties in finding, attracting, and retaining top talent. And we also know, according to KPMG's recent American Worker Survey, that 90% of financial service employees consider benefits when evaluating a new employer. So with that, the landscape has shifted very quickly to a focus on the whole person, needing to support our employees both professionally and providing support for their personal well-being. And you hit on the first trend. Employers are demanding a lot more from their employers in terms of benefits to meet their individual needs, and that landscape continues to shift every day. The other key consideration is that the generational landscape is shifting in a big way by 2025, with boomers reducing from 13% today to 5% of the workforce in only three short years. Correspondingly, Gen Z is increasing from 6% to 21%. The organizations that win will be able to identify the near-term needs within their population, identify the programs that are going to deliver the maximum value, and be strategic in eliminating the inefficiencies within so that cost doesn't become a barrier. Yeah, Ryan, I'll just butt in on cost there. I think some of the questions that every banking employer should be asking of themselves with respect to cost management on benefits programs are actually pretty straightforward. Given typical banking demographics, I mean, these organizations, they have the ability to roll up their sleeves and invest a little bit in programs to target spend. And also their employees are all technologically savvy. And that means they can leverage the latest and greatest trends and benefits, most of which are virtual. And some of the really basic questions they can ask of themselves, just do you have the right fundamental vendor partnerships in place? And have you confirmed their fit in the last two years? Pandemic really changed everything. There have been major evolutions in this space, just in terms of what solutions are available and what employers can do and what levers they can pull. Also, just are you getting the most value out of your insurance and vendor contracts? You know, are you negotiating best in class terms, things like a a claims guarantee or a trend guarantee and so forth? And also just are you taking on the right amount of organizational risk? If you're fully insured, should you be self-funded? Do you have the right level of stop loss in place and so forth? And then lastly would just be, have you taken a 
holistic and objective, but also clinical deep dive into your cost drivers and your benefits plan? And have you taken the findings of that and then matched it up with the latest and greatest solutions available that I mentioned a second ago? So what's really driving our cost and are we doing everything we can and are we using the latest and greatest solutions to directly address what is driving our cost? And Ethan, does anything about that strategy change as a result of M&A activity? Because that's the other thing we're seeing a lot in this industry. Yeah, great question. The narrative doesn't really change, but some of those points and questions I hit on above really become of the, or really are of the utmost importance in situations of M&A activity or organizational change. Think about if your geographic footprint changes, you have to look at who your medical insurer is because who has the best pricing is a very regional game in the U.S., also, just your demographic makeup after merger or an acquisition, if you the demographics of your population changes, is your benefits program set up to meet the needs of the whole population, or is it still only set up to meet a subset of it? And then lastly, just leveraging economies of scale. Insurance purchasing in the U.S. has huge benefits as organizations get larger and can leverage economies of scale. There are major price breaks to be had. Well, that is certainly good from the cost-saving standpoint. So... That covers savings. But what about keeping employees happy? Yeah, great question. And the way I always think of this is employees are like the new customers. So every banking organization has identified prospective clients, built out a book of business, and then they measure and monitor the satisfaction of those clients. They have to do the same thing for their employees. So to start, employers have to understand what's going to go the farthest in impacting their people. As Ryan alluded to before, the generational presence in the workforce is shifting pretty quickly. And every generation is going to value different benefits and access those benefits in a different way. Think about what a 25-year-old wants from their benefits program versus what a 60-year-old wants from their benefits program. We really recommend every organization tries to get a deep understanding of their population just through things like employee surveys, stay interviews, retention risk analyses, gap analyses with respect to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and so forth. Once you complete those steps and understand what your population is going to value the most, then figure out what benefits do we think is really going to go the farthest. In my opinion, some benefits that can go a long way for supporting banking populations, first and foremost, is mental behavioral health, especially just given the high-stress nature of banking jobs. You know, it's innovative EAP programs. Consider those for a second. In those, you can usually be chatting with a therapist within a few hours. If you try and access a therapist through the health plan, you're probably waiting a few weeks. Also, things like caregiver support. Again, it's that juggling act of working a stressful, demanding job like in banking while also trying to balance the duties of being a caregiver or a parent. If the employer can offer caregiver benefits for things like backup childcare or caregiver coaching to navigate difficult situations, that can really go a long way and impact a lot of people within the population. Also, things like diversity, equity, inclusion support, just do an analysis, say, are our benefits programs meeting the needs of all subset, diverse subsets of our population? And then also things like flexible benefits. So can we give our folks a lifestyle spending account and they can use it on what they see fit? Some folks might want to use it for student loans, others for gym memberships, and others for medical expenses. Well, I really like that analogy of thinking of employees as customers. And it, it makes a lot of sense to understand what your employee base needs and wants and then how you can get that. Maintaining cost savings and beneficial employee experience. So what else can a banking organization do if, if it wants to be at the forefront of innovation? So when it comes to innovation, you know, every organization is at a different phase in their strategic roadmap. Some organizations really need to start with a, a fresh perspective 
and, and do some of the things that Ethan mentioned before is really just identify the right vendors and contracts. But for those that are, are really looking to innovate and have already done some of those initiatives, the two that come to mind are how they purchase healthcare and global benefits. So for healthcare, by the nature of banking, many organizations have geographic concentration of employees. So they have the ability to use that leverage to more strategically steer to high quality, low cost providers in their respective regions. So things like custom networks, value-based payment models, and medical tourism are just a few examples of how we're increasing utilization and really steering towards that high quality and low cost. And then once you have that network, that clinical high quality network established, the focus then turns to clinical management and employee navigation. And what we find is a lot of organizations implement different types of clinical support and point solutions, but then the follow-up of determining what those ROIs actually are tend to be a little bit hard to come by. So we certainly recommend each organization really evaluate the success of their programs that are targeting clinical support and and member engagement. And then if they're not meeting the needs that you initially implemented, consider pivoting to something more effective because those solutions are out there. The market is investing a lot to address these challenges. So there is likely alternatives out there if your current program is not meeting the needs. And then when it comes to global, there is a significant opportunity for centralizing processes, which results in reduced administrative inefficiencies, reduced costs, and better engagement of your population. Many multinationals don't have insight into what's happening at the local level. That makes business planning hard enough, but also the more localized, the more opportunity there is that comes from centralization. For cost, strategies like multinational pooling and captives, as Ethan mentioned, there are economies of scale within insurance, And that's certainly magnified at the global level. And then lastly, which is extremely important, and Ethan and you both highlighted the importance of it, is treating your employees like customers. How are we engaging our global populations? It's hard enough to do that in the U.S. Now you think about the different time zones and cultural norms, et cetera. How are we really creating that cultural connection and having our global employees understand the employee value prop that we're positioning for them? And technology is a great way to do that. There are platforms out there that can engage your population so that they are building, they understand the cultural initiatives that are coming through. They understand the value of their total rewards programs. And in turn, they'll have that cultural connection with the employer. So I'm definitely getting the picture that there's innovative and creative solutions out there. They don't necessarily have to be extremely costly, but it is not a one-size-fits-all solution. Yes, we would certainly agree. Every organization has a different demographic profile. They're at different stages of their strategic roadmap, and they have a different future outlook. So each organization has to position it differently. But as you said, there are opportunities out there that deliver strong ROI and are not cost prohibitive to implement. That's great to hear. So are there any trends in employee benefits programs compliance that we should consider or chat about here? Yeah, so one hot topic right now is the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act, or we use the acronym MAPIA. That act requires that mental health substance abuse services must be covered equally as rich as coverage for medical surgical benefits. We expect that in the very near future, the DOL is going to start coming knocking to many employers looking for proof that these requirements are satisfied. This is important because if an employer is asked, they have a 45-day window to produce results. 45 days would be a challenge for pretty much any employer because they would have to find a partner who can complete this intricate testing, gather all the data, and then actually execute it within that 45-day timeframe. So 
it's our strong recommendation that every employer should have this done proactively to save them the scramble and the headache later. That sounds like great advice. So as we wrap up here, I want to ask both of you, what is one thing that you would like every banking employer to take away from this conversation? Yeah, so I would, for me, it would be if you haven't looked at your program since the pandemic, now is really the time to do so. It's a totally different ballgame versus what it was three years ago, just in terms of what solutions are available to employers and what strategies are available for you to take. And for me, it would be the the future outlook in terms of generational change and compliance. Um, I'm pocketing those together because each of those has a lot shifting in the next few years. Ethan mentioned one compliance consideration, but there are certainly others um, that will require organizations to take a, an active role in managing. So be strategic in building that multi-year framework, address the changing population and the regulatory landscape. That makes sense. This is great information. And th- that sounds like good advice for traversing uh, what seems like a very dynamic playing field. So Ethan and Ryan, I want to thank you both for having this discussion today and sharing your insights. And to our audience, thank you for joining us today. This is Liz Lamadou on behalf of KPMG's Banking and Capital Markets Tax Practice. I look forward to talking again soon. Thanks for listening to In the Vault with KPMG. Be sure to subscribe to this series to be notified of new episodes.